Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Thank you. Thank you, Clark and Linda. Thank you, Clark and Linda. Thank you, children's workers. I want to honor Julia and Ian, one of our newest newlywed couples. But Wendy and David, I think, are our newest. But they uh, really did a great job on the Valentine's Day watching the kids. If you go on, I don't know where you got it online or if it's Twitter or Twinkle or Little Star, how I wonder where they are. But it, they did a great job. The pictures are there. I got, I got to see them making little cookies for the kids and just bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So thank you very much. Can we just honor, honor our couples? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm, I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to John chapter 1. I'd like to begin today and um, let our children's workers go. And thank you. Uh, is it Team Yellow? Is that you down there, Stu? Okay, God bless you. Thank you for serving over the little ones. Mm-hmm. Might we agree in prayer together over the Word? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your good hand upon us. It's a, a loving, gentle hand, yet it's attached to a strong, capable arm. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord uh, does excellent things. We ask you to do good things here in the midst of us as we come before your Word and we hear of your goodness and mercy, your grace and your truth that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Bless every person here in a very personal way so that they'll know without a doubt that God has touched me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I get 100% amen? amen. All right, now say amen for what you're going to get and it's going to go through you to someone else. Amen and amen. That's why so many times there's a double amen in the Scripture. We're talking about good vision this year and the year 2020. And it's often said that uh, hindsight is 2020 and foresight is, uh, you know, poke, a poke and hope, uh, scanning the crystal ball. And, and hopefully you can see where you are right now. But when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you his vision. And that's what we're talking about. Not eyesight, but his sight. And he has you in his eye. Uh, one of my mother's favorite scriptures, I know my dad would attest to this, they had a whole set of coffee cups quoting the scripture, you are the apple of my eye. And uh, God loves us, and we'll talk about that here this morning. Out of the context of good vision, and the good vision that I'd like you to focus upon with me this morning is the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The title or the subtitle of my message is, and I'd like you to say this, I will have mercy. I will have mercy. Will have mercy. We'll, we'll get into that here in a second. The, uh, if you will, the uh, Lambeau field that we're gathered around here, or the context, you know, there's a lot going on in a stadium, much more so than the 12 or 24, or if it's baseball, 18 active on the field, four uh, umpires, and it kind of branches out from there. But always remember, the majority of us are not so much the ones on the field, but where are we? We're, we're sitting in the stand with our ticket. 
God knows that in us, and there's an element in life where God's okay with you watching and enjoying and watching and learning, and then when he calls your number, what you've watched and learned, you get to do. And so that's a, that's a good thing. And that's where this scripture comes in. Number uh, three, please. Thank you so much, Julia, and our technicians for helping us. Boy, I'll keep them in running shoes. Of course, nobody can keep up with that girl. You get on the playing field with her. She's a sprinter from the Ukraine, I'll tell you. Uh, so where there is no vision, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there's no vision, the people perish, but, happy, uh, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. The context of this scripture that we're envisioning ourselves as God sees us, we're envisioning ourselves as we're supposed to envision ourselves. And then the third element that I've been working on this year as I've heard from the Lord and shared it with you, number one, you need to see God like He truly is. Number two, you need to see yourself like you really are. And then number three, and all of this works simultaneously as God kind of moves the dial of your life and tunes into a focus, you need to see others like they really are, like God sees them. So let's say it again. I need to see God like He really is. I need to see myself like I really am. I'm not a woe is me and I don't deserve to be saved. Wait a minute. That was when I was lost and I didn't know the truth. Now I know the truth that Psalm 8 says God has crowned humanity with glory and honor, and he's created us just a tad bit, say a tad bit, a wee little bit, uh, just a little lower than, what is it, Bill? Come on, the angel. You want to know something in the Word of God? Ask that pastor. He'll help you out. Uh, so God's made us a little lower than the angels, so you do deserve to be glorified and honored and exalted if you're living according to God's plan. Now, if you're not, it won't happen, but if you are, it will happen. And we want to envision God properly, want to envision ourselves properly, and then it's essential to excel in life and become successful and really uh, be loved by God in such a way where you feel His love. I often say this, and it's true. There's two kinds of people alive in the earth, and there's two kinds of people that are alive and dead and gone. There are those that know how much God loves them and are learning about that, then there are those that are alive and, and don't know how much God loves them. So I would be remiss if I just said, uh, you, you'll discover or you'll know, find out that God loves you. He is love and he always loves you. But as you begin to love others, you begin to understand God's love in you. And you become a very, very powerful package in God's hands. He can't wait to send you here or there or rest you or bless you or just heap blessings and uh, delights upon you. I love Psalm 68. The Lord delights in the prosperity of his servant. That's me. That's you. So we have that in vision. This morning in John chapter 1, I asked you to turn there. I'd like to read. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He jumped down to verse 11. The word, he, this Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them 
He gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And I'm going to talk about that here for several minutes. And another one of our ministers, I've asked Sharon to come and bring an opportunity for all of us, not just someone, but every one of us to pray a prayer of faith in accepting Jesus Christ. This word God, this, if you want to use the word logos or or the rhema, or the spiritual word that was in heaven that created all things, we're told here in the scriptures, became flesh and dwelt among us. And as he was dwelling among the people he created, they didn't see him as he really was. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And this empowerment begins with believing. Would you say that with me? Empowerment? To become a son of God begins with believing. And we're told other places in the scripture that believing is as simple as a child receiving daddy's hug or mama's milk bottle. It starts in a childlike, elementary, or even infantile manner. So salvation is not locked away. It's a free gift. And we'll all, no matter how we came in here, maybe uncertain or certain but struggling or maybe not sure at all, never heard of it, I assure you, we'll all go out of this place saved as saved can be. That's my prayer, and I've asked God, and that's his will, and I know that he'll give us that. And uh, uh, Pastor Sharon's going to have the honor of ensuring that before the throne of grace. But let's talk about it a little bit here. And the, verse 14 in John chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I I double this up here. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and of His fullness, down in verse 16. Verse 15 describes uh, John the Baptist's ministry in contrast, so let's go to where we're focusing today. And Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, And of this fullness have all we received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So there's a contrast uh, laid before us in writing from John, the youngest apostle. uh, Not the youngest gospel writer. Mark was the youngest gospel writer. But John was the youngest of the 12 that followed Jesus. And he stayed close to him, so he heard a lot. And he had the sense about him. He was the guy with his selfie up all the time. I've learned, you know, the, 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 the present day evangelists or gospel writers got their phone out everywhere. And so I've learned to take pictures because God's in my life and he's doing things through my life. I want to share that with other people. John caught that and he said, of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but, let's say that, for the law was given by Moses, but... Okay, now let's say that last part all together because it's powerful. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth is the fullness that John is describing that is flowing out of the Word made flesh that was filled with the power of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this Word made flesh is, is, is gracious and truthful all at the same time and filled with uh, mercy. So John says that the law came by Moses. Last week we, we envisioned hearing God. 
How can you envision hearing God? The same way that Jesus said, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And then he talks about seeing stuff. <laughs> so there's an element where it, it's not about the human senses, the five human senses. It's, it's that part of us that relates to God and God wants to relate to us through. And then we live our life out of the source of God inside of us, the hope of glory. That happens when you're born again. Just simply call in the name of the Lord. But John said, the law came by Moses, and the law was an expression of God's intervention in human need. The law came and was defined in Moses' lifetime. But keep in mind, from Adam to Moses, there's thousands of years. There's about 3,000 years, give or take. And so uh, God stood in the midst of the people and granted a law that showed us how we should live. And in the law was actually 613 commandments or precepts, 633 if you want to add the 20 kind of descriptors to some of them. Some, some uh, Bible teachers would say 613, some would say 633, and it's all boiled down to 10 commandments and then, or 10 words which is how we should live. I don't want anybody to shoot me today. Don't, don't murder. And by the way, that, that blondie right there, oh, we just had a wonderful Valentine. Don't take her away. That's all in there. That's how we should live. Say, I should live by the word of God. And it'll be really, really good. And so Moses gives us this word, but I have failed. Now, I haven't shot anybody or taken anyone's special Valentine, but I have, have done some things that I'm glad that God's not keeping track of. And I want to talk about that because that's where we all live. And John was describing this, this grace giver, this truth embodied in a person named Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, I'm told. John didn't know that, but he learned that. He met him after he would come from Nazareth, probably bringing oars and chairs to the Galilee region. Jesus was a carpenter. Hey, that's me. The son of a carpenter, that's still me. Ha! I love it. God designed me to be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. John met this Jesus, and one day Jesus looked at him and said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. In order to fish for men and catch something, John and his brother James, Peter and his brother Andrew needed to learn this lesson here today. They needed to learn that the word God, the word man, the, the son of of the living God, only begotten. Only begotten is only used toward Jesus in the Scripture. It's a compound word, and it means mono or mono. Say mono means one. And genes, which is the Greek word for gene, there was only one God gene that combined with the agar in the embryo of a woman's womb, and that was Jesus. There's one of a kind, and he was filled with grace and truth. And mercy and goodness. And these guys began to see that. So let's, let's uh, look at how grace is important. And I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. And then I think, boy, the worship. Gee, I, this came out of the sound. I love being involved. If I can't sing, and I can sing. I know a lot of you all can sing. So, you know, sign up and get, get to be a part of this. We'll run everybody through and give you an opportunity. But if I can't sing, I'll mix the sound. If I can't mix the sound, I'll shovel the walk carry out the boxes. I just want to be around what God is blessing. Don't you? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. 
So here's a story about grace, and I've learned some things about grace. Grace is a, well, it, the Greek word is charis, the, uh, the Old Testament word could be chesed or tov, whatever. It, it means something that you, you receive that you didn't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is, is akin to it, but it's not, they're not identical twins. Uh, if grace is receiving what you don't deserve, which is eternal life. No, grace is, yes, grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, which is kin but not identical, mercy is not receiving what you do deserve if we're going to do the Moses law thing. Because I promise you, one, at least say it, maybe, maybe just one, of those 633, you snagged it, tripped it, bing, the tip-up's going up. <laughs> you, you got it. You did it. And, and, but God's going to do something about that. So God gives grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't know how this hits you, but as amazing as grace is, I've learned that grace has a limited time offer. Grace, though it's unlimited in its supply, it expires on the date that it says expires. You know when grace expires? Daily. Yesterday's grace isn't today's grace. Yesterday's mercy, yesterday's actions, it's over. The grace that I need Today is the grace that is available. Come on, work with me. The grace that is available today. That is good. I was looking at a coupon for Spectrum. I said, Lord, you got me talking about grace. Everybody knows it already. And when God's silent, I know I'm out of bounds. I said, stop. You're right where I want you, son. Because <laughs> I need to help my people and I need to help you. I looked down at my mail pile and I saw this little spectrum thing and it said offer expires. I looked and I said, oh, wow, what do I got that here for? It's gone. It's over. Throw it away. I felt like the voice of the Lord, not, not so much the word of the Lord, but the prompting of the Lord, that's how my grace is. And if people think it'll be there someday, they never get it today. Or if people think I wasted what I had yesterday, they don't get it today. What did Paul say? This is what he said in 2 Corinthians, help me, uh, today is 2 Corinthians 6, today is the day of salvation. When's the accepted time? When you get to the conference, when you get to the seminar, when you get to after you're married or after you, no, 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 no. When is the accepted time? Now, it, say, now is the accepted time. Say that. Now is the accepted time. Today, today, we're learning to be linguists and wordsmiths, not today. Today, we have teachers in here. Thank you that I do okay, Sister Sharon. <laughs> Today is the day of my salvation. That means that any need I have, any insufficiency that I'm confronting, I can bring before the throne of grace and expect God to help me right now. Deliverance is the, the healing for the arthritic. In fact, I'm going to just work my faith. 
you know, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I am going to let you watch. I, I am delivered of arthritis. I don't care how long it's been in my family line. It's not taking my hips, my joints, my knuckles. I'm going to stay youthful. I'm going to score another goal on the soccer team this year. And this year, I'm going to score it for our team, not the other team. Yeah, they put me, they put me in defense. They'll get the old guy out there. And, and they kick the ball at me. And oh, man, them kids can kick. Boom. And it went in the back goal. I thought, holy cow. And the goalie of the other team comes out, slaps my hand, says, thank you for that goal. <laughs> so I think you need to put me at the other side so I can, you know, I don't know. But I'm telling you, when grace is moving, you want to take all that you can get. And if do I have a lady with a dress on here? Where's my wife? Stand, somebody, maybe they don't wear those anymore. You pull up your skirt when your hands are full. What did Ruth do? Pull up her skirt and say, give me some more handfuls of... Give me some more handfuls of... Give me some more handfuls of... The purpose of my life is to be filled with grace and so much so, I feel the grace of God flowing out of me right now. Will you just take some grace, open your skirt or pockets, and put some more in there? Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. I didn't even get to my story. Grace has a limited time offer. It expires daily. I was thinking about my dear sister and neighbor, Kathy Manna. Her name tells us that. Ah, I'm going to join the million, Millionaire Club and... Just sit fat and sassy and travel the world and enjoy my money and my grace. I'm going buy to buy a big portion and it'll just coast me. I'll live how I want the rest of my... You get your manna every morning or you don't get your manna. That's amazing, isn't it? Whew. Okay, let's go on. So here's my story that will kind of describe an outpouring of God's grace. In Matthew chapter 12... The scripture says, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. Now, let me go, oh, let me go over here. I don't think I gave you as much as I'm going to read, but you just follow along. It's a great story. People remember the stories and the jokes, you know, sometimes more than they do the scriptures, but I like to try to get the humor and the stories out of the scripture so you get a double blessing. So here we are in this story. At that time, Jesus went through and uh, the, the cornfield on the Sabbath day, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath day. Here's one of the 613 or 633, actually. the Remember the Sabbath day, the fourth commandment, to keep it holy. And Jesus said unto them, or but Jesus said unto them, have you not read what David did? Now he's going back a thousand years to David, give or take. How David, as, as the king, when he was hungry, he and they that were with him were hungry, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, and, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law? Now he's going he's gonna to show another. What, didn't, didn't that mistake uh, register with God, isn't he going to do something about that and correct them and fix them? Or have you not read in the law how that the Sabbath, on the Sabbath days, the priests te in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say to you that in this place is one greater than the temple. In this place is one greater than the temple. Verse 7, and here's the, here's the key or the scripture 
that I'd like to put a frame around for you and for me. God's been framing this in my life and helping me to not only learn it, but experience it, and much, much more important, express it. So in the context of being hungry, a normal human need, something happening, and yeah, they're violating the letter of the law. These guys and Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus was eating, but he was with them. What I do want to point out and have you note is that Jesus supports them and protects them away from the accusers of, of their actions. My goodness, I think, and I just release this, a church will explode in attendance when people discover it's an outlet for mercy. And it's a place where they can fill their skirt with grace. Grace that has a purpose. Not just to sing amazing grace. No, no, grace, something that you don't deserve is coming to you. You have been invited into the family of God. You have a table with a napkin, set a wine glass with the blood of Jesus represented, and your name tag, that's for you to sit at the table of the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man that trusted him. So Jesus is supporting his friends in their infraction of the law. Is that an oxymoron? Well, let's know. Let's read on. And uh, Jesus said, in this place is one greater than the temple. So he's showing the men that were maybe not accusing, but certainly questioning the actions of the disciples, and Jesus was in the cornfield also, that he, Jesus claims, well, this is an indirect, and I, maybe Sharon or one of our other teachers can help me, that in this place is one greater than the temple. That's not, uh, it's, I forget what the description of the language is. He's referring to himself in an indirect way by an analogy. He's saying there's one greater than that temple that you're referring to right here, and he was speaking to them. So let's read on. But if you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. He was unable to use his, his hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. So we're told of the motive of their questions. And Jesus said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and it shall fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, he will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then it is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then he said to the man, Stretch forth your hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. That's a powerful display of the grace and the mercy of God. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Um, grace and truth, this, this expression comes to us through Jesus Christ. And here he shows us how it works. Have you ever seen someone go through the cornfield on Sunday? Or let's rephrase it. Have you ever seen someone, hmm, that ain't right. And that's, that's human life, isn't it? 
What I'm talking about today that comes from God and I want you to envision, I want you to start envisioning yourself as being the grace giver in that moment. Guess what? You'll have so many friends. Now, you'll also have enemies because there are accusers. There are fault finders. There are people that are actually allowing uh, their giftings and and processes and communication to be sourced by the dark side or the accuser of the brethren, not the forgiver and redeemer of the brethren. And, and you'll find that it's much more compatible to be around those that are the forgiven and those that are hungry for the grace of God. We're living in the days where we must uh, say, Lord, will you fill me today with the grace I need for today? I've surrendered my life to you, but my life consists of days. And my days consist of moments and, and incidents and circumstances, and I need your grace. Paul said this in support of this message that I'm sharing with you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul said that God has made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the 600, he said, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The 613 laws that you better not cross or, do, or, or you know, um, disobey will label you as a breaker of the law. And then, uh, in the process of time, God sends forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, in order that he might redeem them that were under the law, subject to bondage. That's us. So we're living in a day when we have to choose, when we have to be taught, I'm wanting to be a model to you of how to minister grace to hearers and not accusation. Don't call me up and tell me what someone's doing wrong. You know what? So much of what a pastor does, that's why he needs to get his soul right. That's why I need grace and mercy every morning. Whew. Otherwise, I'd be a sour pickle, be a porcupine. I used to be like that. Yeah. Boy, I want to be fragranced. I want to be oiled. I want to be uh, the advocate for the, for the Lord's mercy. Will you say this? I am living, living. Under, the under the terms of a new covenant, a new covenant. where the Holy, Spirit the Holy Spirit gives grace to anyone that asks for it. He will not withhold his grace from anyone that's pleading or asking or crying out. And then there's another level of that. I can impart grace when people don't even know it. But you got to grow to that. It's kind of like we watch Mahomes. You know, he's running this way. Goes right to the target. How does he do? Well, he learned that. He's not jumping out of the, here, to hold this Miller light and hold this Bud light. I'm going to go, I'm going to run down there and show them how to play this game. When I, that ain't what I'm talking about. So many are sitting in the stands. Yeah, that, that coach don't know. He, yeah, he's a multimillionaire. I think he does know what he's doing. <laughs> I want to learn more about this grace, don't you? Thank you, Jesus. We're living under a new covenant. Allow me to share this scripture with you. This is really, really good. G or as I go there, did you, did you get my number nine? Jump over there. Is it, is it nine enter? I know we have new equipment. I just want to. Jesus is, 
let's, let's just read this. Jesus is greater than the temple. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus says, I will have mercy. Uh, we went out for dinner for our Valentine's Day thing. I mean, I mean meal, meal. It was a good night. <laughs> oh, man. I've been married 35 years, and it's not a thing. In fact, my card was so special. It's really, really good. And uh, I mean, I'm, I, I get into writing. I really do. You, see, you get my cards, you send me some. I don't, I don't just get on, oh, yeah, thumbs up, moji, 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 or whatever they call them. <laughs> if you get something from me, it, it came because I put it in words, okay? Um, we're down there ordering, and I'm not, I'm not a good cook. My wife is, my dad is, my son is. Many of you are good cooks. I like to eat good cooking. I don't know how to make good cooking. In fact, I don't want to get into that. I promise I'm going to have a good toast today, and something happens, or God's talking to me, my toast is burning. So, but this is what happened. I went and I ordered something, and it was like the best thing on the Valentine's Day menu and the fruit juice that came with it, or the fruit ale, whatever it was. I squeezed it in there. I thought, man, this is really, really good. I ordered the right thing. And when the guy came, and I said, well, and, and I had to go back to, well, I ordered. I said, I will have this. I see God looking down at humanity at every Lambeau field, every business, every family. And he's looking, and he sees the whole menu, and he says, I will have Come on, I will have mercy. If you get up, if you order mercy, guess if you, and you, wait, I thought I ordered mercy. What am, what am I eating all this porcupine, prickly and judgmental? And God is looking for those that are looking like him. Will you envision yourself in the mercy business? Eagle's Nest Church, born again, spirit-filled, climbing the mountain or, or helping in the valley, whatever you're supposed to do, do it in the spirit of mercy and in the spirit of grace. That's, that's good. So here, so God's in the mercy business, and when he orders, he orders mercy. Now let's look at how uh, this transfer, translated out in a very difficult time very quickly in Genesis, Jeremiah chapter 31. And Sharon, will you just come on up and get ready? Musicians, will you come and help me? I'm just about done. But this was, a, this was a dark, yeah, there can be movement in here now. Or Ian, would you lead the group and just help me out? It was really anointed today. Father, I ask you to impart this. This is, uh, this is going back 400 years before Jesus, maybe 500. Thank you, Lord. Intercessors, let's just pray that God impart this to us. This is the new covenant message in an old covenant time. The people of Israel had been captive, taken captive in the north for 100 years already. In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians, and it's still a warring, fighting, gathering of peoples. Just as it, Assad and Assyria, and, you know, they'd kill if you don't believe right or you're not born into the right bloodline. They just, they're a very warlike and fierce, violent people. They had captured uh, the northern ten tribes of Israel and taken them away, and now the southern kingdom had also fallen into the wrong lifestyle. And the southern kingdom of Israel in 586 B.C. had fallen. And Jeremiah is left alone amongst several other people that inhabited Jerusalem, the holy city, the temple, the, the law, the, the Ark of the Covenant, and all the holy things that represented God's presence. Now we'll have to keep it really low. Do we have a sound person? Yeah, just don't pull the whole slider down because that'll move me. Boy, you're doing double duty. I've got to take you out to call first. 
Now, follow along with me. It's a dark time in the culture of the nation of Israel. Most of the population has been transported east to Babylon. Jeremiah's left. And he, instead of looking out his press box at everything that's wrong on the field, I'm going to fire the coach. I'm going to fire the quarterback. I'll tell you what, I'm going to write the league. I'm going to indict humanity. I'm going to indict the government. Instead, God gets a hold of him and moves him into a new season and says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that 633 commandments tripped up all of humanity, including you and me, not according to that day. And by the way, he, he delivered them out of Egypt, uh, which is a picture of sin, by Moses, which was a picture of Christ, but not the perfect Christ. Because the law came by Moses, but the real life flow of grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I will bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse, uh, next one, please. Thank you. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, watch this. This is, this is where you get to change your vision. My vision isn't talking about the guy I was. They will no longer say, worship team, will you back look at this? Because I need this to transform your utterances. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, saying, uh, uh, fr from the least or to the greatest, or this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. For they'll all know me from the least unto the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and, their, and will I will remember their sin no more. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In a time where he could have filled the airwaves with negative news that was true. He's announcing a new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. That's the best news that you and I could ever hear, the best way you can uh, live your daily life, and the best news you would ever want to share. Now, this is how it applies. And I'll close with this scripture and a couple declarations. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, God who is rich in mercy, will you join me in standing to your feet? God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Bill, will you make sure that microphone is on for Sharon? Let's all just move, move right into this. God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, even when it was our family being taken captive, even, even in that day, God sent forth His grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Would you come? I'd like you to just close your eyes and listen. Listen to the Lord speak to you for a moment. God has assigned your life with a purpose. The only way you can find God's purpose for your life is through Jesus Christ. And then as you 
simply believe, and we're going to do that together. We're going to all pray this prayer out loud that Sharon's going to lead us with, and God's going to minister to us, and He's going to reconnect you to His purpose for your life. That purpose involves good works. It involves, first of all, believing, and then it involves, second of all, praying. Begin to communicate with God and wait for Him to communicate with you. You'll need teachers and disciples. You'll need caregivers and uh, people to bounce things off of. So it involves believing, number one. It involves praying, number two. And it involves giving. It involves fasting or setting things aside that used to take up the time of your life. And these are all good works that God promised to inhabit and reward. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.